Good evening, everybody, or good afternoon, or good morning, wherever the heck you are, because we do have an international audience. My name is Francisco, and I'm joined by only one of my good friends today, and it is Sir Andrew here. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Unfortunately, and I'm doing good. Unfortunately, our friend Charles uh, was uh, called away for work. For the first time, it's not me that's called away for work, so that's... (laughs) That's something new. It's usually me that has some sort of prior engagement with work, and this right. time it's Charles. So, uh, and maybe around February we might be getting this guy who's be talking about that type of stuff. As I'm mentioning, because Andrew passed half of the bar so far, so congratulations to you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. So, um, uh, part of the misery is over part of the misery and the next Uh, misery is coming up yep so uh another eventful week thanks to football thanks to the news cycle thanks to baseball just all kinds of stuff is happening today andrew i mean uh we're gonna get to uh a senor tebow who was a bane of many florida state seminoles fans existence uh, even That's after existence, really. Yeah, and even the freaking dolphins' existence. <laughs> and mm. we'll we'll get to the dolphins because their tank is growing ever stronger at this point. It's like, I mean, what it's is the it? The tankiest tank I've seen in a while. It's like, um, have you heard of Metabots? No, I can't say that I have. Okay, so Metabots was like a thing. I think they were trying to be like Pokemon where like, okay, you play against each other. Like they're like physical toys. And if you lost to your opponent, you'd have to give part of your, like they were like, um, they were uh, toys that you could piece together. And if you lost, you had to give part of your toy to the other person. So you could, I mean, if you're really good, I guess you could create a Metabot that was super uber strong as you kept, um, as he kept accumulating wins, but the dolphins keep accumulating losses that creates the tank that is strong beyond all reason at this point. Uh, it's it's going to be an impressive tank. I yeah, can, I can say that for certain right now. Uh, we've got baseball going on. We have the playoff races, and we have some separation between the pretenders and and the contenders. And mm-hmm. we also had a tank series uh, most recently. And we'll look at, we'll look at the the tankathon in Major League Baseball as we're coming down to the wire, and there's there's probably like three or four teams that are still vying for that number one pick, and who knows? It's it's an exciting backwards race that we like to look at. Uh, another thing, uh, minor league baseball playoffs happened. Um, National Hockey League uh, preseason has finally started, and they we have some labor peace talks, so we'll get to that. And, of course, college football, because football, football, football. Mm-hmm. Ooh, boy. Um, Guess I, let's dive right into it. I, I have no idea where to start. Uh, oh, the video game here is Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Winter Games. This is the Vancouver 2010 version. So, um, hockey rank here that I have in front of me is actually the Rogers Place out in Vancouver, Canada, home of the... Uh, British Columbia, home of the Canucks. So that's that. Andrew, I don't know where you want to start. Uh, we can go hockey. We can go baseball. Let's and... start with hockey. Why not? We're, yeah. we're discussing it. I got hockey in front of me, and I've got my my hockey team here. Uh, very, 
very well constructed team of Mario, Daisy, myself, and Knuckles. Uh, and we're going to face off against Yoshi, Metal Sonic, Sonic, and Peach. Uh, certainly not Gordy Howe and the Detroit Red Wings, but whatever. Uh, it, 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 it'd be kind of weird if that were to, like... Well, it's not kind of weird. Mario's faced off against, like, professional basketball players already in the NBA. Right. Uh, but it, I don't know if you've seen South Park where um, uh, Stan was the coach of a peewee hockey team. And they had to go against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, no, I didn't see that. Well, look it up on your free time on YouTube and <laughs> you'll laugh your butt off. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's actually, the whole episode is fantastic. I, it's so ridiculous, but it's so funny. Uh, um, okay, so National Hockey League. Uh, big, big news was that the National Hockey League and the Players Association agreed to stick it out with the current collective bargaining agreement which i think was uh, agreed upon after the last lockout which was in 2012 right yeah 2012 2012 like 2012 was the last lockout and they had the 2013 shortened season so what that basically means is that um there will be no work stoppage for at least until 2022 which fantastic it's about time that they look I get it the owners want their cut the players want their cut I see both sides but I mean look what happens with baseball when it completely shut down for an entire year that well that took so much wind out of the sails of baseball well I mean hockey experience it themselves they shut down the 2000 and five season right um i mean people they lost so much respect and so much fan base i mean even even in the partial shutdown a couple of years ago a lot of people just swore off hockey right and said you know look i'm done with you i i think well, they have. They're looking towards the the other leagues. That's one thing. Uh, currently, Major League Baseball has been in peace, like labor peace for, I mean, since that uh, 1994 season. Right. Um, 95 was a shortened season in baseball, and that's the only reason the Braves could even win the World Series. Uh, and once again, I'm going to jab on the Braves. We're going to keep doing that, so don't worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the NBA also had a, a lockout that. Um, uh, 2011-12 season and uh, the NFL had a bit of a lockout as well but enough to, to get back for a full season a few years ago but all of them relative peace talks I, I think look hockey I mean it was awful that t- losing the 2005 season no Stanley Cup awarded or anything like that but and 2012 really, like you said, left a, a really sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Um, I mean, I remember because that was like my my first, I mean, my first full or second season of being a like a really true hockey fan. So I was just itching for hockey to come back. But not a lot of people were like me, you know, uh, who was just like, okay, we, we'll stop bickering and then we'll get back to it. But I think. 
one of the key things that allowed for this to happen is the salary cap has risen. I think that's one thing that it has risen. The players are getting paid more than they've ever been before in hockey. They still don't get paid the numbers that um, uh, baseball players or basketball players and some football players get. But the minimum wage for for a, a hockey player at this point is 750k, which is which is not peanuts. That's that's well more than enough to, to make a good life on, uh, for especially for at least one year. Another thing is the TV deal that's about to happen. So I think, when was it? About 2000 and... It might have been 2010. Uh, yeah, I think 2010. I think this is the last season of, of, this, of the deal between uh, the National Hockey League and NBC in, in the United States. Uh, in the United States, um, NBC holds the national televising rights for, for the NHL. Uh, so that means they're the only ones that will broadcast it. Um, and what that means is that uh, no ESPN will not broadcast hockey, neither uh, will Fox nationally. Local affiliates are different. And I think, I forgot how much the NHL got paid for that. I, I don't know if it was like in the billion dollar range or something like that and daisy with a nice top shelf over peach right there uh, <laughs> um but the 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 deal is about to expire and the nhl i don't know it, you maybe and andrew uh, hopes up maybe espn could pop right back into the conversation for hockey again oh you would be you have no idea how happy i would be two reasons one that theme song <laughs> that that is arguably the greatest sports theme ever created i mean it's right up there with round ball uh, round ball rock over uh for nbc's coverage of uh the nba right uh cbs college football like it's we're talking upper echelon tier stuff right here um that's one. Two, you got to get Gary Thorne back. I mean, Gary. yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll get a lot of the, because there's, a, I think what a lot of people may or may not know is a lot of the, the old guard at ESPN are massive hockey fans. Right. No, absolutely. The only thing that worries me, though, is... ESPN has changed so much since the early 2000s when they last had uh, when, once the last time that they regularly broadcasted hockey so I fear that you can almost it would be kind of remember me as I was in good times yeah you know they could just absolutely just screw it up and spoil it and just you know we wouldn't be able to remember ESPN hockey coverage the way it was, which was just so fantastic. You know, you had Barry Melrose, uh, John Butchergrass, uh, you name it. It was, Steve it was a Levy. murder row yeah. of commentators. Yeah. Uh, and analysis, things like that. So, I, if, if it would return in something remotely resembling the way it used to be, 
then I'm all for it. But if not, then keep letting Mike Emmerich do it because he he does a great job too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I grew up with Gary Thorne. You know, I remember I remember watching the '99 Stanley Cup final, mm-hmm. uh, the, the infamous tell a uh, skate on a uh, skate in the crease goal by Brett Hall. Um, the O one, uh, the O one Stanley Cup when Ray Bork finally got his championship. You know, I grew up watching hockey on ESPN. So you know, call it nostalgia, call it what you will, but you know that's what I grew up with, and I think it's better than NBC's current coverage, to be honest. But if they're able to replicate the way it was. I, th- I mean, well, ESPN has the World Cup of Hockey. That's that's what they that which was surprising by me that they got the rights to that. And also, part of the part of this deal means that the World Cup of Hockey is coming back. It was put yeah. on it was put on hold um, due to the this this uh, labor talk. And of course, the NHL is not going back to the Olympics, which is what most uh, pretty much everybody really really wants. But Olympics are Olympics take place during the season, meaning the NHL loses the All Star Game, and the players have to travel to wherever part of the world. I, it was fine when it was, I guess, for the NHL. It was fine when it was in Russia because of the the huge amount of players that come from there and that such. And it was fine when it was in Vancouver because <laughs> it was right. It was actually literally in the Canucks Arena. Um, and, and in Salt Lake when it was in the United States, but outside of that, it's a little too complicated. I think they went to Torino as well back in 2006. So uh, that's nice. The World Cup of Hockey is coming back, even though it's kind of a weird tournament. But it's just because it's uh, this of the structure so far, especially when there's two uh, North American young stars and international young stars team. But um, peaceful labor talks in hockey, and I'm I'm all for that. We're gonna get at least two more, uh, well, including this season, three seasons more of uh, of hockey without having to worry about stoppage. So I'm glad about that. And then because another thing is that probably affected this decision is the players, and I, I don't know if you've watched this. Uh, this guy on YouTube, he has a channel called. He's called the Hockey Guy. The name sounds familiar. Well, he's a. He, I think he's got. I'm, I don't know if he's got a million subscribers. He might, but or a, he's got at the very least a hundred thousand. And um, and I can't get a goal past Bowser. He just covers the whole freaking net. Uh, <laughs> he's a great goalie. Um, the he. Basically, any sort of news that comes out for hockey, he's he's on top of it, he's, mm-hmm. and he's just a guy that's in his house. He's he's got like forty thousand jerseys, forty thousand hats of of every hockey team. He just loves hockey. I think, I think he's in he lives in Canada, and I think he's a. I'm assuming he's a Bruins fan, but I'm not entirely sure. But he likes pretty he pretty much likes all the teams. He he treats each team fairly. He doesn't get into the whole, okay, we should move Phoenix to Quebec or Florida to Quebec or Carolina to Hartford, that type of thing. He just doesn't do that. He just purely 
talks about hockey in, in, in its in in its simplest terms. So um, he thinks that one of the major things was the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. That the Golden Knights' success and seeing yes, I finally got one past Bowser. Uh, <laughs> and seeing how freaking organic it was, how how Vegas has completely glommed on to the Golden Knights. They can't lose that momentum. They just can't. It would it would be devastating to the sport because it wasn't just Vegas that that caught on to the Golden Knights. It was a national story. Right. Which is very which is not often when it comes to hockey compared to football or, or, or basketball or, or even baseball. So, and now we have a team coming up in Seattle that, and they can't lose that momentum there either because if they have the same, um, the, since they're going to have the same expansion rules as the, the Golden Knights had, there might be a chance that that team could be decent. So, no way that, um, that they can just stop right now. Plus, the Carolina Hurricanes just finally got out of the freaking basement and reignited love for hockey out in Raleigh. The Panthers actually have a shot at this. The Lightning are, are still uh, looking to, to, to finally uh, make it through the door. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are, that are doing so well right now, and you, can't, you just can't stop it. Things are going too well right now for hockey. So, Definitely. Um, I think this is this is this is the best course of action, and I'm glad that they did it. And uh, and they could talk in between there, and maybe they can even get some examples from Major League Baseball, uh, because I think baseball's CBA is going to come up soon enough too. And but they've been able to relatively and peacefully uh, agree upon it going for, going further. So. And maybe the, the TV deal that comes in from either, I don't know, they might split it between NBC and ESPN or, or Fox or, or, or Turner Sports. Uh, who knows? But there's going to be more money coming in, that's for sure. And that's just good for everybody. Yeah. So good Check on you, Facebook Hockey. really quick. Yeah, sure. Uh, you send me something, a link or mm-hmm. something? Okay, one second, folks. So what's... Is this a friend of mine, RCFE Mods, wants to call in? I'm going to try calling him in and getting his speaker to get picked up. You cool with that? <laughs> Thanks for. And I actually read it out loud, so I don't know why I did that. Thanks a lot. <laughs> that's, that's not sure. the point of that. <laughs> I was too in the mode right at that point. Okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> Sorry, it's it's too late now. Um, and let me close out of these things. So, um, all right. Uh, other news in hockey. Uh, let me look at my show sheet real quick. Uh, there was a new rules video that popped out, and I actually wanted to watch it with you because there's some new regulations, especially about replay. And I think we're getting this pretty much the same way that the NFL has has allowed replays of pass interference because of that of that Saints game between them and the Rams. I think we're going to get something because of... Uh, remember the infamous game between the Sharks and the Golden Knights? Yeah, the... What is it? The three penalties? The five-minute major? 
Yeah, that, and they like that. they allowed the five minute major. They got three goals. Four goals actually. It was but, four goals. Yeah, I think it was four goals that the Sharks scored on the Knights. Yeah, so, I remember that. So we're gonna get a change to that rule as well. So I want to get to the search screen real quick so we can look at that. Um, because it's it's actually pretty huge. Uh, another thing I actually wanted to look at was some of the um, uh, some of the new uniforms that are popping up for this season, and we're mm. gonna head over to sports logos at some point as soon as I find this freaking search bar. Um, should be there. It is. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, so uh, let's go to let's look at the logos first. Sports logos. And then I shall look on. Alrighty, hockey. Thank you. Good old Chris Creamer. And let's go to his main page there. Holy crap, the Golden State Warriors have unveiled six new uniforms for this season. Wow. That is a lot. Actually, let's look at those first. Because we. Little short on NBA talk right now, but yeah. So six new uniforms, a new font to their Warriors. So they got rid of the copper plate font that they've been using since their last rebrand. Uh, they have a the Bay uniform in yellow that has uh, what looks like a, a scene of the Bay with uh, like ocean ripples and, and the sun. And the ocean ripples kind of look like uh, the bottom of a basketball, which is pretty nice. I like that. Uh, following that, we've got their City Edition uniforms, which have uh, uh, the town. So it's their the town uniforms. Even though the town was signifying Oakland, that's uh, the freaking oak tree there. So I think they're still trying to hang on to their ties to the city of Oakland even though they abandoned them from for San Francisco coming up this season uh, continuing on we've got their classic edition uniforms so they have their classic the city uniforms when they used to play the first time in San Francisco and they're set basically a white road uniform which just says San Francisco now when they were not the Golden State Warriors, but the San Francisco Warriors. And let's see. And I think that's pretty much the full lineup. So not bad. Uh, it was to be expected given that they're moving into a brand new arena in on the other side of the bay. I don't know. Not much to say, Andrew, there? No? Eh. Not really. Okay. Uh, going on to hockey... I wanted to look at, and gosh darn it, Chris Kramer, you have like 40,000 ads on your freaking site. Like, <laughs> it's okay, man. It's okay. But whatever, you, you do good work, so we'll, we'll, we'll help you out here. So the St. Louis Blues are bringing back their 1990s red uniforms. Well, they're not red. They're blue, yellow, and red. However, red is an accent color. Yeah, I think it's, it's more than even an accent. Yeah, color. that's it's what pretty, I was about to say. It's a pretty dominant, pretty for pretty dominant color. Yeah, I was about to say that's uh, accent colors is like when it's like a little trim. This is more of a right. 
the gold is more the accent color, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. So they wore these back in the 90s at that point. Uh, still had Brett Hull on the team. Had Wayne Gretzky on the team as well. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was the guy that gave up. I'm not sure how many people remember this, but he was the guy that gave, who turned the puck over to Steve Eiserman in that iconic game-winning goal that sent them... I don't remember what year or what round, but it was one of the years, I'm pretty sure, where they won the Stanley Cup. He just blasted the puck from the blue line. I'm not sure. Do you remember that one? Well, let's see. We got 90... When did Wayne Gretzky play for them? Was it the 95... You know the, you know the moment I'm talking about, right? Yeah, but... Because the, the Wings... Let's see. Because Gretzky... I th- I think he only played for the Blues for one season, right? He was traded there from from L.A. I think it might have been the 95-96 season because in 95-96, the Avs beat the Red Wings in the, um, the Western Conference Finals. But that's their uniform. It's, uh, it's kind of... I, they're, they're the Stanley Cup champions... They can wear whatever the heck they want this season. And it was, uh, looks like it was 1996. Yeah, okay. So it must have been during the playoffs uh, against the It wins. was in the playoffs. Yeah. So, and they have their slanted numbers in the back because of that um, slant there, even though it's, it's, it's a weird look. But it's unique. They're only going to wear it for three games this season, I think. So it's not, eh, it's not it's unique. It's 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 callback to the '90s. Uh, we're all right now. '90s nostalgia is huge, so mm-hmm. teams are just going with it. And they're just once again defending champions. They can do whatever the heck they want. The Winnipeg Jets will be wearing navy versions of their uh, WHA uniforms from back in the day. So uh, I think a lot of people don't know, but even though these, this version of the Winnipeg Jets is not the original, which is now in Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, with the, the Coyotes. They have retained all of the logos of the, and, and basically the brand of the old Jets. So the Coyotes don't really have it anymore. Uh, so that's why they can wear their old WHA and NHL stuff. So that's their, I think they wore their white versions of those already. So these are the the dark versions, the colored versions. So, um, it's, I mean, it's not a bad look. It's, it goes with Navy, which is now their color scheme instead of the kind of Royal blue that they used to wear. Mm-hmm. So that's what they'll be wearing during the heritage classic. And there it is side by side. The other uniform I wanted to look at, which is the Calgary flames uniforms from back in the eighties, their original sets, uh, same set that they had from Atlanta and they just changed the A to a C. Right. Uh, and it's basically the only jersey the Flames should have ever worn. <laughs> really, it is. I, I don't get it. The Flames have such a great iconic set and they choose to go with the... the, the monstrosity. That's a good word for it. Monstrosity. The, the hodgepodge of lines and stripes and the use of black in their current set, which they had a chance of changing when 
Adidas took and over. Adidas. Right. But they, they decided not to. Yeah, they kept the same look. Uh, and look, I get it. They they created they created that set when the new Reebok. I think it was the Reebok Edge, right? That's what they called it. Yeah, that was back in like oh. It's like oh seven. Yeah, oh seven. Uh huh. So it was. They created under the old, uh, with the old, it's hard to believe that it's called old now, um, the old Reebok Edge. So they wanted, I guess, to take the most advantage since there was a different piping system, different areas where you could put designs right. that you didn't before. A lot of teams experimented with it. Right. Um, you know, the blues, they used to have really random striping on the sides yeah uh, the lightning had like really weird stripes under their armpits well no well they they had that since the very beginning Those well the, were, yeah, the victory stripes or whatever the they victory call stripes um but or even like buffalo good lord the buffalo slug yeah um although that's less about the 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 jersey design and more just them being really crafty with logos. Well, yeah, crafty. yeah, okay. Um, but either way, and a lot of teams that kind of experimented, they've gone far, far away from it. Um, but Calgary hasn't for some reason. No, but they're still rumored that they will change, I think, next season maybe. So hopefully they get the point and are like, yeah, we're going to go back to this. I mean, look, I'm looking at the, the jersey right now. There is place for black in it. You see how it the the stripes, it goes red, yellow, red, yellow, red. I yeah. think you could replace the outside red, the tiny little ones. You could put some black there. If they want. I mean, it's still not if they necessary. Wanted to. Right. But it's, it looks fine just the way it is. Right. But if they really insist on having black, um, then it, it's possible. And finally, we're looking at, I don't know if you've seen this one either, the Edmonton Oilers alternate uniform this <laughs> season. Yes, you have seen it then. <laughs> uh, they call it street inspired, but I'm, a, I w I'm surprised they didn't just say it was oil inspired because that's what it looks like. It looks like it came out of freaking gunk of oil. That's what it looks like. It's just very, very dark navy blue, uh, and kind of like a finish to it that really does look like oil. Um, looks like if you stuck your hand in it, you wouldn't like. I don't know. You might kill a few seagulls or some turtles. <laughs> I mean, sheesh! That looks like freaking, like a freaking oil tanker just spilled all over the ocean. So, and it's funny because Adidas is making those uniforms in college football, which are like recyclable or whatever. <laughs> so it's kind of the weird opposite, uh, opposite message that they're sending here. Right. Uh, and then they wear that for the all-star game last year too, like recyclable, reusable materials uniform. So yeah. the Edmonton Oilers are a team that flies in the face of that, but, uh, so the, the Miami Hurricanes did as well. Yeah. Uh, couple of their sets yeah so that's the look that's the look that poor old Connor mcdavid is gonna have to suffer through again uh this season 
Um, we need to save him at all costs. <laughs> Gosh, he should pull him. He should really pull like you got to demand like NFL players just demand a trade out of Edmonton. Come on, man. At some point, something's <laughs> got to give. Something's got to give, right? So mm-hmm. they're looking at past Oilers alternates. They had the um, the uh, freaking the, the was it Todd McFarlane uniforms. Yeah, the guy who uh, created Spawn before that. So this is this is their alternate. And last, I think was it a couple seasons ago, they changed to strictly orange as their primary uniform set instead of their classic 1980s set, which they had. After a long while, they didn't have it, and then they had it, and now they don't have it anymore. And everybody's questioning. Why the heck have you messed with a classic uniform, with a classic design, with a design from your dynastic era to wear this? I don't get it. And let's be honest, that is the only time that they've really had any sort of extended success. Yeah. Uh, So, hey, if you want to harken back to it, Mm. you know, it can't hurt. Maybe Maybe the design will rub off them give you some luck and make you go a little bit better i mean yeah they had that and they had that fluke 2006 season but you know other than that they didn't even win yeah they yeah yeah but even then still like gosh uh all right so that's our hockey i guess run around oh no there was uh one more thing i wanted to show you i don't know if you want uh it was a brand new new rules um video that just popped out from the national hockey league i haven't seen all of it and i wanted to get your reaction to it so let's head on to good old twitter where i had it saved um, on our sports goofs account and then and then we'll uh we'll move on from there okay let's head on to our actual page where is it and yes i do follow we do follow empty seats galore because it's a fantastic twitter account oh have you heard of the twitter account called f every baseball player yes i have (laughs) it's surprisingly fun Uh, it is and he's going in alphabetical order by last name by last name i think he's on the h's or something at this point uh, so we got to Bryce Harper, and there was like a thousand likes for that one, <laughs> especially from Phillies fans. Because woof, and we'll get to that at some point as well, because the Phillies are in trouble, <laughs> in lots of trouble right now. So uh, let me load this video if it will allow me to. And that is loud. The National Hockey League has approved a series of rule changes for the 2019. So yeah, they've. New rules, expanded use of video review. <laughs> more offense, that is very Canadian. Offense. <laughs> and this is the big one. This is the big one. And once again, we, we said it before, this is in response to what happened against the Golden Knights. Here, hold on. I can't hear it. You cannot hear it? No, I mean, I can, but you... I was talking. 
<laughs> right. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, pause. I'll stop talking. What? Let me mute myself. Unsuccessful challenge, a team is charged a minor penalty for delay of game. For the second unsuccessful challenge, a double minor penalty for delay of game. There is no penalty, of course, for a successful challenge, and teams may challenge as many plays as they wish. Like in previous seasons, plays in the final minute of the third period and in overtime will be handled by the NHL situation rule. Rule changes include Rule 9.6, Helmets. A player on the ice whose helmet comes off during play shall be assessed a minor penalty if he does not either exit the playing surface or retrieve and replace his helmet properly on his head within a reasonable period of time. That's very significant. What is reasonable is at the discretion of the official. If a player is making a play on the puck, or is in the vicinity of the puck and engaged in the play at the time his helmet comes off, the official may allow him to complete the play before either exiting the ice or retrieving and replacing his helmet. A player who intentionally removes an opponent's helmet during play will be assessed a minor penalty for roughing. Also new for next season, Anytime the attacking team is responsible for a puck going out of play in the offensive zone, the ensuing faceoff shall stay inside the offensive zone. Previously, faceoffs remained inside the offensive zone in situations where the puck was shot at the net. One of the many rules introduced in 2005-06 was not permitting the defensive team a line change following an icing. Next season, there will be two more scenarios where the defensive team will not be allowed a change. First, when a goalie freezes the puck on any shot from outside the center red line. Second, if the actions of a skater on the defensive team causes a stoppage by unintentionally dislodging the net from its moorings. This does not, however, include a goalie unintentionally dislodging his net. Keep in mind, where the defensive team intentionally dislodges the net will remain a penalty for delay of game. In these two new scenarios, in addition to the defensive team not being allowed a change, 
no timeout shall be given to the defensive team. And wow. No commercial timeout will be permitted. <laughs> the final rule change relates to face-off location. Next season, there will be four scenarios where the offensive team will get to select which end zone face-off dot they wish the face-off to take place. Following an icing, following a goalie freeze on a shot from outside the red line, following a defensive skater unintentionally dislodging the net, and on the first face-off to begin a power play. These are the rule changes for the NHL's 2019-20 season. Thank you for watching. And that's it. Those are the rule changes for this season. So, any thoughts, dude? Any? I mean, I think that helmet rule is pretty significant. And I like that a lot. It's for player safety, really, more than anything. Definitely. Um, I'm, I'm glad that they did that. Um, really, I... I... I like all the rules that they implemented. I don't think there was a bad one. I think, well, I think it's a little bit unfair for, especially the the the, the no defensive line change rules, because there's that that adds more scenarios where you cannot change your defenseman. And I know it was to promote offense or offense as they call it, mm -hmm. but sheesh, man! Now you got to stay out there for an outside so shot from center. So, but that's if your team does it, which I can get. It's kind of like an icing in a sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah, your guys should be out there. Um, that's not. I'm not. Um, that's not too bad. When it comes off its moorings, the goal. Uh, if, if it's not your own goalie that doesn't, un, uh, if it's the goalie that doesn't unintentionally, then you know you can switch. But if it's not, then it, you can't. Which I, I don't know. There's a lot of situations where defensemen are just running into it. There's no, there's no way to control that. It's not mm -hmm. their fault. It's not an intentional in a sense. That it's, you're, you're punishing them for something they couldn't really control because they're flying across the ice. So that's kind of something I don't like about it, about the, the, the goal stoppage thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the coaches challenge stuff, that's, that's significant as well. Um, they keep adding more stuff to it. Um, I guess to please the the new fans in Vegas, I guess, kind of like how the NFL did that for the Saints. Uh, well, whatever. We got to live with it. That's the new rule changes. So it'll be interesting. That's for sure. Um, all right. Okay, dude. So that's we're at the forty-three minute mark. Don't know what. Where do you want to go from here? Where Where can we go? Can go to football. Uh, let's do, let's well, do college football. You want to do college football? You can do it in seventeen minutes. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Let's do it then. Turn on over. Give me one second. All right. So, college football. Let me get my show sheet real quick, and I guess I'll start it out here. So, the Seminoles are LOL. That's one thing. Um, <laughs> I have no football to watch this season anymore. There's no football at all. Football sucks for me this year, and and it's gonna suck for a while. I, I kind of feel as long as Willie Taggart's still there, it's gonna suck for a while. As long as uh, the Dolphins keep tanking, it's gonna suck for a while. So, oh gosh, UVA. I, and I know, I know they were favored. I know they were favored in the game, but the, the Seminoles had the game. Right. Hold on. Uh, give me one sec. 
Sure. Go sure. and talk away. Me? Are you telling me to talk away? Because I'm. I'm... Yes. Oh, okay. Just <laughs> give me a sec. All right. Well, I'm still playing this hockey. I lost this last game because because I'm playing Dream Ice Hockey. And if anybody's played Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, the Winter Olympic Games, for the Wii, is their hockey mode is surprisingly deep. I'm gonna tell you that <laughs> it's surprisingly deep. Look, I can throw the puck off the off the boards. I can actually do. Um, uh, I can actually freaking bring it all around the boards if I want to. Um, Francisco, can I chime in? Yeah, go ahead. All right, uh, I've got my friend on the line here. He is a college football fan from uh, RCFB, and you know I figured, you know I do enough talking as it is, but I only have one viewpoint, so I'd like to bring him in. Uh, I'm gonna call him Riff because that's uh, that's his part of his username. So uh, Riff, welcome to the show. Hey. Yo. Uh, kind of like you mentioned, I am a uh, college football fan, obviously. Uh, I also serve as a moderator on uh, the CFB board. Uh, I'm also a reporter for SiriusXM, uh, going week to week uh, to different college football stadiums. Doing uh, oh. reporting on uh, anything that my uh, employer tells me. Oh, that's awesome. That's very great. Thank you for joining us on our, our, our hey, lowly little me. podcast, man. But thank you. <laughs> so... Um... Riff, uh, I, I guess I'll go ahead and, and say what your loyalties are, unless you'd want to go ahead and do it. No, go for it. Uh, so Riff here is primarily a TCU fan. I have that correct, mm-hmm. right? Horn Frogs. That's correct. That's correct. Alrighty. And then uh, secondarily is a Hawaii fan. So he's got... That's very, very, very wide berth right there, actually. TCU to Hawaii, but sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. The alma mater, the other one's the hometown. Y'all figure out which is which. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're just going to, you know, discuss a few things. You know, as I was uh, saying, uh, I have a very limited viewpoint, uh, as does Francisco. He's an FSU fan. <laughs> um, and I told My condolences. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I, I just laughed out loud to myself when he mentioned that. But yeah. <laughs> Um, so I figured, you know, you have more experience, it seems. So, uh, sure. So, Francisco, what topic would you like to start with? Well, first off, uh, let's see. From a Florida State Stanford uh, st- uh, standpoint, really, not Stanford because UCF destroyed them. Uh, <laughs> from a Florida State standpoint, um, should we fire Willie Taggart because everybody's calling for his head now? Yeah. Well, I mean, the big thing about Willie Taggart is, historically speaking, whenever you look at his teams, he's always started off with a very rough start. I mean, you look at Western Kentucky, you look at South Florida, you look at the uh, jobs that he's normally done. I mean, he's a master of taking over a rebuilding job, but you don't normally start seeing uh, benefits reaped until about three or four years down the line. Now, mm-hmm. at a program like Florida State, uh, or rather I should say, uh, at a program like a South Florida, when you're in a rebuilding year, you can get away with a three and nine, two and ten year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida State, he went five and seven last year, and he's already on the hot seat. Yeah. He's not doing himself any favors by losing to Boise, 
at home, losing to a Virginia on the road, and uh, you know needing a missed extra point in overtime just to beat ULM. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, it was Jason Kirk from Banner Society who tweeted after that game. Uh, you know, uh, we're not that far away from Florida State having to uh, go through the court of Reddit and public opinion to defend <laughs> they were bowl eligible, and we thought that would be the status quo of the FSU ULM series. And lo and behold, we saw what happened this year. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Andrew had mentioned that before. Uh, with regards to Willie Taggart teams, so right. we we had a, at UCF we dealt with him a couple of times, and um, you know, like you were saying, or like I experienced, he's a he he is or, no 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 that's Charlie Strong. Never mind. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back to him, but uh, Taggart is. He looks good on paper, but then he also at times seems like this doesn't quite have the skill. I don't know. He's very hot and cold. Um, but because of those few hot seasons, you know, he went from Western Kentucky to South Florida to Oregon for a cup of uh, for a cup of coffee, and then down back to Florida State, which is his dream job. So. You know, we'll see. Like you said, you know, it's like three or four years before you can kind of get a good gauge on somebody. Yeah, and that's kind of the the same. Well, I think Miami Hurricanes fans are being a lot more patient with Manny Diaz, and then they just won sixty three to nothing, so they're all kind of satiated at this point uh, down here. That's right. for sure. And there's also an element with there where you've got a little bit of that with uh, Willie Tiger as well, where it's the hometown son. Yeah. Uh, with Manny Diaz, you know, his father used to be the mayor of Miami. Right. Talk about like who could be a more perfect from an identity to take over for the Miami Hurricanes. Manny Diaz checks off every single box. Right. Especially for him, given that this is his first ever head coaching job, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be a lot more forgiving. Well, it, technically, he, technically, he got the job at Temple, but <laughs> for a little well, bit. Really <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, still the first place where he's actually coached a game right and right that i think is going to be such a uh, easier curve because i don't think miami like obviously like if you're miami you want to do uh championships you want to be relevant but at the same time it's not like a you know oh well we expect to get to the playoffs this year we're going to make everything happen like there's a sense of understanding right Miami that this is going to be a quick rebuild and I think there's a small element of that Florida State. Like, I think if uh, Willie Tucker went, uh, let's say, 7-6, and six, maybe 8-4 and four last year, uh, a lot of people would be giving him a, a much longer leash. But it was the fact that they went 5-7 and seven, and the way that they went 5-7. and seven. Yeah. Offensive line not seeming that they knew how to do their jobs. You had play calling that was questionable at best. You had such turnover at all these staffing positions mm-hmm. uh, that made it really difficult to buy into the fact that Willie Taggart was coming in and he was doing a rebuilding job. Uh, when you have the resources, when you have the recruiting ability, uh, when you have everything, like I know that Jimbo Fisher did not leave it in the greatest program, but he left it in a better position than what should have been fighting to get to five and seven. Right. Yeah, I think that's the feel a lot of Seminoles fans have. It's, yes, Jimbo's heart wasn't in it at the end. We get that. But it's not like he left the program completely in shambles. So, we... Just the offensive line. 
right? <laughs> which which was very important. But uh, we didn't think it would be this. Th- we didn't think we we'd sink this low at this point. But Florida State was going to be a rebuilding job uh, after Jimbo. Right. It should not have been a building a rebuilding job where. It's kind of almost like, uh, to go to a similar example, uh, here in Texas, uh, so I'm based here in Austin, Texas, and there's some big program that may or may not be bad, who's to say? <laughs> uh, but for about a decade or so, I mean, ever since uh, Mac Brown uh, got to the national championship and lost with uh, Colt McCoy getting hurt, uh, there has been a significant downfall with the University of Texas where... Uh, you know, as somebody who went to a school in Texas that is not the University of Texas, it's hilarious and wonderful <laughs> to be in Texas being mm-hmm. mediocre. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, to have that much of a recruiting budget, to have that much of a recruiting fertile ground, uh, to have that pedigree of coaches, uh, to get the results that they've had over the last decade is what I've done it. And I think that's where we've definitely seen a lot of work with Tom Herman. Uh, I mean, last year when he got to the uh, New Year's Six Bowl, nobody really cared about the fact that, uh, you know, he had lost to a Maryland team that went 4-8 and eight with an interim coach. Yeah. Yeah, it was just the fact that they got there. Right, but even then, when you look at that, even over Texas' worst seasons, they had two five seven years uh, over a span of a decade. Uh, but oftentimes, a bad Texas year was a six and six, a seven and five, an eight and four. And when you're a Florida State, like that is what should be the mediocre building to your standard. It should not be five and seven attempting to just get into a bowl game. It should not be we're going to beat ULM because they're going to miss an extra point in overtime. <laughs> uh, this is not the standard that Florida State should be having. And I think that's where the biggest amount of concern from Willie Tucker comes. Not from, oh, can he turn around? Oh, is he going to have time? Because again, uh, historically, it's going to take him about three to four years to get the results that he's going to want. Right. Out of Florida State, that timeline is just not going to fly. Yeah. Uh, so, so let me bring up another topic. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and I'm not just bringing this up because I'm a UCF fan and alum, but I'm looking. Uh, RCFB has a. Um, they produce a poll every week which honestly I think is the best poll out there or one of the best it's it's much more accurate I think uh, compared to you know the coaches poll and the AP poll so I'm looking at your ballot right here um, uh-huh. you, you have you don't see- too much into it <laughs> I mean, you. Well, we are still in week. I believe this is week four coming up here. There's still so much missing data. I mean, if you look at my past ballots, uh, teams change so quickly. Like outside of the top five, it's honestly mostly a crapshoot. But I'll do my best to try to defend it. So, my question for you is: You have UCF at 14. I think that's a fair ranking. I would rank them about there myself. So. What I want to know is, what did you glean from the UCF-Stanford game? Does that prove that they're legit? Did you think they were legit before, or do they still have something to prove? Um, let's see. Well, uh, first and foremost, I came from another small uh, G5 school from back in the day, so I know exactly what it's like when people are saying, uh, oh, UCF is playing nobody. They're not proving themselves. Well, listen, I lived through that in 2009 and 2010 when TCU was 
make a Fiesta Bowl run, when they were making a Rose Bowl run, uh, when they were the G5 darlings of the world. Uh, for me, uh, this season has not been uh, anything new uh, information-wise with UCF. Uh, we've seen over the past two years and this year as well that they are a very formidable team. Uh, they know what they're doing. I think uh, they've got a great leader in Josh Hupel. Uh, I'm a, a little bit unsure about how great the Stanford game was. I mean, the fact that it was a solid victory for UCF, uh, it was a great non-conference scheduling it was a great victory in non-conference, but we also saw a Stanford team that just completely fell apart against their rival in USC. Uh, now, this is not to diminish the fact that, you know, uh, UCF was able to get a Power 5 opponent to come down to Orlando because that's been a very big thing in Danny White's uh, prerogative. And I'm not going to say that it wasn't a good win, but I am going to say it's going to be uh, a continued battle. Uh, I think UCF is still going to have a continued uphill battle of proving that they have a schedule that belongs. So one of the big things that marks TCU differently uh, from the way that uh, UCF has been doing it, and Boise State as well to an extent, I believe, uh, Camp, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they should be somewhere in my ballot, like 11th or so. I think I've got them like right above UCF right now. You have them at 12 right now. Okay, I have them at 12 and I have UCF at uh, 14. Uh, one of the things uh, for me on that, though, is uh, so UCF, uh, great team, great win against Stanford. Uh, but one of the big things that happened with the Boise teams of the 2000s, with the TCU teams of the late 2000s, is they had to play anywhere, anytime type of schedule. If you look at TCU's schedule from back then, they had games where it was a one-off against Oklahoma, a one-off against Texas. Uh, they went to Clemson the year that they uh, won the Fiesta Bowl. They did a one-off against a then-ranked Oregon State. That's a very fun sentence to say. Uh, in <laughs> Uh, in 2010, uh, they did a one-off against BYU in 2011. Uh, there was not a whole lot of home-and-home -home, uh, non-conference games, uh, but they took a very strong schedule of we'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime, and on their terms, and they went off and won. And very similarly with Boise State, I mean, if you look at that 2010 season, they played at Virginia Tech in a neutral site game, quote-unquote, which ended up being over at uh, Landover Field. Uh, they played games against Georgia in Georgia. Uh, they played games anywhere that they could get scheduled as well, and they went and they won those games as well. I think one of the biggest things that's hurt UCF and its uh, perceived scheduling uh, is the fact, uh, you know, Danny White has been uh, doing a bunch of arguments. Uh, we need to have home-and-homes. We are equal to everybody else. Well, right now, I mean, UCF is not even five years removed from going 0-12. Like, UCF does not have the sustained history uh, to be making the claims for non-conference uh, that it's claiming right now. So I think the Stanford game is good, and I think it's a great win for them. I think it's a great victory for the program, and I think it's going to help with their strength to schedule argument. Uh, but when you have a continued argument of, hey, this is the way that we're going to play, and we're only going to play on our terms, I think that is going to have a lot more effect on strength of schedule uh, than it is a one-off victory against Stanford at home. Interesting point. What do you think, Francisco? So, you think that UCS perception of uh, they'll play anybody anywhere, but on their terms, has hurt them in the eyes of of I guess the Power Five conferences that they. Well, would... not necessarily Power Five conferences, but okay. just in the eyes of the voting public, mm -hmm. schedulers, uh, all that kind of. Stuff. 
Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, perception, they always making fun of UCF. Uh, and I, I mean, down here in Florida, they're seen as a, kind of like a little brother university compared to, you know, the big three, FSU, UF, and, and, and UM. And I think that maybe at some point they, they will get to that point. But once, like you said, they're not that far removed from having a winless season. So people are just trying to see if this isn't some sort of flash in the pan where, okay, they're good for a few seasons and they'll be back in the basement and we can forget about them. Uh, a la, I guess you would say USF in some sense. So those are some good points. Um, okay. Uh, another thing is, is Kansas back? <laughs> uh, not as fast as uh, Boston College. We know that at this point. <laughs> okay. Um, um, I've always taken a very strong stance that the last uh, Miles hire was a fantastic hire, which I know that there's a lot of people in the national media, particularly uh, Stuart Mandel of the Athletic, who just thought it was a joke of a hire. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, I thought it was a brilliant hire because, number one, this is one of the very few. Uh, teams that has national championship ring. Funny enough, another one being uh, uh, Mac Brown, who is also at the University of North Carolina, you know, noted football powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but the fact that they got him, a master recruiter, to come to a place that had no excitement whatsoever. I mean, it was painful, and it's still relatively painful to be a Jayhawks uh, fan. But now we've got a guy who wins national championships and now wins road power five games. What yeah. was this? What was this? The first one since 2008. Yes, yeah. uh, at the time uh, that uh, Kansas last won a road Power Five game, uh, Reddit CFP did not exist. Oh, hey. So we're we're talking over 10 years. So um, I would I would put this up there, perhaps with them beating Texas um, as like you know, big moments in program history within the past couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would consider that to be probably the biggest win of the last decade. I mean, everybody does it like, you know, Texas is the big win because of memes. Uh, the Boston <laughs> yeah. is the first win that shows like actual forward progress mm-hmm. with the Jayhawks program. And I will add that ga- uh, grass consumption in uh, in Lawrence has increased 100%. <laughs> That's um, okay. Francisco, do you want any other topics? Because I know that I have one that I want to see what his take is on. Okay. I mean, one another thing is BYU. What the heck is going up with them? They're like spoiling yeah. everybody. Yeah. Uh, what is going on with uh, BYU? Yeah. yeah. I mean, sheesh. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, that's a great question for right now. I mean, I think some people saw the uh, potential loss with, uh, or the uh, potential uh, Tennessee Vols loss. Uh, I think that was a, uh, I think it was a pleasant surprise. I don't think it was a shock of a win. Uh, But I think the USC one, even though it was also in overtime, was a, wow, uh, BYU might actually be for real this season. Now, granted, uh, they did lose to Utah in a, fairly well-fought battle, 
Uh, but right now, if you look at uh, Utah, they're in the top 10 right now. They're riding high. They are probably the favorites right now for the Pac-12. And the fact that the BYU uh, lost to them in a fairly respectable manner, I think BYU uh, is going to be a team to watch for uh, for this season. I would not be surprised if they get another victory this week, that we're going to see them uh, sneaking up a little bit higher, probably into the top 20. Uh, Tampa, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're in the receiving votes right now at the poll. Let's see. Um, they have 12 votes in the AP, and they have 28 votes in the coaches. Okay. So, yeah, I think if there's another victory, and especially we see a couple more uh, losses, uh, top 25 teams, top 20 teams, I think BYU sitting at 3-1 and one, uh, with a couple of Power 5 wins and a very respectable loss. Uh, I think they're going to easily slip into that top 25, if not top 20. Uh, it's, I got to admit, I mean, I haven't been following college football that long in the grand scheme of things, really since 2011 when I started becoming a UCF football fan. Uh, but this year seems like there's a lot of really interesting storylines, uh, you know, really interesting upsets and near upsets. This seems like it has the making for a team chaos uh, sort of season. Um, I'll politely disagree with you, uh, mostly because I was around for the greatest chaos season of all, which was 2007. Right, of course. Um, I think right now one of the big things that we've got is we've gotten to a point where uh, the top, I'll call it the top seven, are so chalky uh, compared to everybody else. Uh, it's hard to imagine that we're ever going to get a scenario of true actual chaos. Because, I mean, chaos for me would be Clemson loses a regular season game. It would be Alabama doesn't make it to the SEC title game. It would be uh, Oklahoma ends up choking before they get to the Big 12 championship game. Uh, I think right now everything is still so chalky. Uh, that is very difficult to say that we've got a full-on chaos here. Uh, but that is one of the joys of college football in the fact that every year has a good storyline, whether you care about it or not. I mean, uh, last year we had uh, a fairly chalky championship. We had Alabama-Clemson part four. Uh, but then Clemson beat the doors down on Alabama. We had fantastic things like Army getting a double-digit win season. We had so many <laughs> other fantastic storylines just happening all throughout the year. And this year as well, we're seeing the same thing. Like, you know, we had a fairly choppy battle between LSU and Texas. But who could have imagined that the biggest and most entertaining story is, you know, a Seagate, whether there was air conditioning or not in the business. <laughs> like, that's been talked about probably about 20 times more than the actual game itself. And that's the beauty mm. and absurdity of college football. You gotta love college football. It's, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that I went to a school that has uh, a program, has a at, at the time, you know, a, a decent program, you know, it wasn't at the highs that it's at now, but, you know, they had their first bowl win my freshman year. So I've kind of grown along with the program in terms of my fandom. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I became a fan because I, I think, you know, compared to like, let's say the NFL, uh, other pro sports, there's so many more interesting storylines and much more, 
uh, you know, team pride and camaraderie in college football than a lot of other pro sports. You get all that passion. Oh, I yeah. mean, this is a sport where, uh, objectively speaking, like uh, if you go to a University of Oklahoma game, uh, they're going to have a 400-piece band welcoming a gigantic schooner where a guy is going to be <laughs> on the back of it holding a flag, and 100,000 people are going to chant, cheer, and scream uh, in excitement. You know, this is the same sport where you go to Colorado, they're going to need a giant buffalo running around the field. You go down to the deep south, Auburn's going to fly an eagle around yeah. the entire place. I mean, this yeah. is a sport that welcomes and loves its absurd absurdity and it's absolute stupid i was um actually then i agree with that because i a couple days ago just for out of no reason whatsoever maybe because of how much we've fallen but i looked up the uh the intro to the 2013 national championship for the seminoles and just seeing chief osceola run out into the into the rose bowl and just planting the spear into the field i was like yeah those were good times and i just started crying a little bit <laughs> the slow single tear coming out of your eye yeah as i as as my football fandom slowly or quickly wanes i'm also a miami dolphins fan by the way so i'm I, i'm screwed uh <laughs> Oh gosh, that's all that passion that Tim Tebow was talking about, you know, on ESPN. So, well, Griff, I don't want to take too much more of your time, uh, but really, uh, thank you so much for coming yes. on, uh, giving mm-hmm. us a whole different perspective and a mm-hmm. much more informed perspective than I ever have. Um, <laughs> we really appreciate it, and thank you for calling in. Hey, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me on. All right, thank you. All right, take care. All right, take care of all, guys. Bye. 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 All right. Wow, so, man, dude, that was, uh, gosh, we sounded like a real radio program. There. I know. <laughs> I mean, the guy works for Sirius. So. Yeah, yeah, no, he, and he sounds like it, too. He sounds exactly like it. Gosh, I have, like... Like I know I've reported hockey games and stuff, but I've never nobody's ever called me to to actually ask my opinion on hockey or anything like that. But wow, that was fantastic! I'm so glad that you were able to to schedule that. So, um, okay. So, I, if no further ado, we're way past our halfway point. I don't know if you want to do this segment now. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? Alrighty. So I'm gonna pause the video game here. And we're going to go to one of our favorite section uh, segments. Sorry, gosh, sorry, I'm so flustered now. Uh, <laughs> oh, I feel just goosebumps from that one. Uh, a word from our non-sponsors. I don't know why Angel Stadium always pops up. i got to freaking erase that. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, there's, there's baseball games going on. The Angels are losing 8 nothing to the Yankees. Okay, now a word from our non-sponsors. We're Andrew, and well, Charles isn't here, but, and I... Talk about people, places, things, concepts, animals. I don't know. Whatever the heck we've we've been enjoying over the past week since our last show. We we talk about it. We give shout outs to it. We appreciate it. We give them hugs. And that's that's what we do. So um, it's our favorite segment. And unfortunately, Charles isn't here. And uh, I don't know who's the opener for, for this week, dude. I'll go and then we, All we right. should kind of have a list down of what uh, what games or what order. 
that we go in. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, dude. You're up. So, my non-sponsor is Piranha Pierogies. <laughs> okay. Piranha as in, like, the animal? Exactly. Piranha Pierogies. Gosh, how do you spell they, pierogies? Uh, P-I-E-R-O-G-I. Okay, got it. Piranha pierogies. Okay. You're not going to find it. I'm not going to find it. Yeah, because I Because am... it does not exist. It does not exist? Okay. Here's well... why. Here's what it is. I've been kind of going on a nostalgia kick recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorite computer games growing up was Triple Play 2001 for the PC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back when EA Sports actually gave a damn <laughs> about making good games. So, it was such a campy game. Um, so, my non-sponsor is old EA Sports. Let me let me oh. get the actual non-sponsor in there. It's old school EA Sports. Old school EA Sports. Okay, I can dig it. Um, the reason I said Piranha Pierogies... The game was really campy, so they had a lot of uh, fake advertisements. Um, they had a home run derby sort of thing where the fields were the moon, where if you hit a home run, it would go over a thousand feet. Since oh, yes. Uh-huh. Um, you had a medieval castle. You had a construction site. You had a living room where you were essentially shrunk down to the size of an ant. <laughs> So, it was just a gigantic living room, so you could hit, you know, you could break, well, not really break, since they didn't have the graphic capability back then. Uh, You could, like, break family portraits, uh, turn on a CD player, things like that. Um, So, Piranha Pierogies, it's, Piranha Pierogies, it's the food that bites back, was one of the advertisements in-game. Let's see if I can look for it. Triple Play Baseball, which year? 2001. 2001. Okay. But of course, following Madden and other things like that, it was a year behind, so it was released in 2000. Uh, but they caught up eventually. I think it was in 2002, where they eventually caught up um, and did it in the correct year, quote-unquote. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, it's the living room! I, I see. I told you. Um, <laughs> and the, the 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 pitchers mound and home plate are uh, are CDs. Yeah. The, the foul pole is like a candle. The oh my gosh, this is like when I used to make baseball fields out of like the stuff in my room. Exactly. Wow, I used to do that. YouTube has a lot of uh, clips like that. Um, even longer clips. Unfortunately, I, I've tried looking. They don't have the moon base, um, which was my favorite field to play on because you could just blast the ball into, well, not into the atmosphere since there is very little atmosphere. Well, I guess there is an atmosphere on the moon. But the point is you could blast the ball un- unhumanly distances just based on uh, because there was no gravity. And the intro to the game is amazing, too. Um, it's it's a... The intro song is a remix version of Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf. <laughs> um, 
such a fun game. I, I, I really enjoyed playing it. Um, and like I said, I've been kind of on a nostalgia kick recently. So that came, that game just kind of came to mind and, uh, you know, that's, that's why I chose it. So, um, uh, promo code, why not? Piranha Pierogies. All right. Gosh. Wow, dude. And I, I, I mean, I'm kind of in the same vein as, as this as this uh, non-sponsor here because my non-sponsor actually goes to the Nintendo Wii. Okay. Nice. And it goes to the Nintendo Wii because... Uh, oh, watch the, the thing. It's like you saw there was like a... a sorry, the video is on a massive delay for me. Right. But um, you could see the different fields. <laughs> there, there, there's the living room field again. Um, and this is the PS1 version. But... Uh, it goes to Nintendo Wii because uh, once again I was I'm playing a Nintendo Wii game right now on the screen mm. here and it just reminded me of of really and the the thoughts of Florida State and stuff when I was at Florida State and I remember my first year at FSU um, I had a roommate that I did not even speak to barely ever and so when I was home like. All I really had was my TV and my Nintendo Wii to kind of uh, keep me entertained. That's because I, you know, I, the, the next year I would eventually move in with my best friend and we would just like freaking have a blast. But my first year was kind of rough just at home. So I played a ton of Wii games, like a ton of Wii games. Uh, I, I I used it for everything. I used it for, for watching like back when YouTube never used to copyright strike anything, there were so many TV shows. Right. But there were so many TV shows and stuff back in the day that you could just watch full episodes of. I watched the entire series of Keenan and Kel on my Nintendo oh, Wii because wow. I didn't have a DVD player or anything like that. I just had that. It was just the internet and that. So um, I played. I played games like this: Mario and Sonic, uh, Winter Olympic Games and stuff, and. And I remember when I eventually moved in with my best friend, sometimes towards the end of two, or like the end of um, the end of my first year, actually, when everybody was finding their new roommates and stuff and, and getting ready to move in. So we moved into our, our new place that very same year at the end of my first year at Florida State. And um, he had an Xbox 360, which red ranked. <laughs> so he got a PS3 afterwards, which did, didn't red ring, and I had my Wii, and but I had like a million games because I had a GameCube games, I had Wii games, and I modded my my Wii at that point, so I just had a ton of games, and and basically all of our friends were like, "Man, this place is like a freaking arcade." I'm like, "Yep, that was the point. <laughs> that was the point of doing all this." So uh, yeah. So thank you to Nintendo and the Wii. It, I know a lot of people thought it was gimmicky, but I played the heck out of it. I think it's my favorite console ever. Uh, it could play every single game imaginable from Sega to PlayStation to, to Nintendo. And it was a little machine that could, and it brought me so much happiness and joy in my, in my college years. So uh, promo code piracy. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh 
Uh, piracy, piracy. Okay, let me do uh, what I always do around the second half is run through the baseball scores. And I think we can move on to baseball from here. Uh, and then we, we, well, we might catch some NFL at the end of this. Um, usually our, our, our NFL guy is Charles, and he's not here, so we'll get through some baseball first. Uh, according to the score crawl, the Yankees are destroying the Angels, but Mike Trout is out for the season now. There's no point in yep. him rehabbing and coming back at this point. The Angels are going to ruin him like the Oilers are ruining Connor McDavid. Um, so that's he got a good payday, so uh, I don't think he cares. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he cares. I'm sure he cares because I, I don't think he wants to be another Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. never won a World Series. Never even made it past the American League Championship Series. And only went there once. So Mike Trout deserves more uh, out of this than, than what he's got. Mm. Um, okay. Rangers and Astros, nothing, nothing. Astros still trying to get... Uh, home field advantage throughout the playoffs, along with the Yankees and the Dodgers. Aforementioned Yankees winning by a lot. Uh, Blue Jays up 3-2 to two against the Orioles. Matters for the Orioles because they are in that tankathon, and we'll get to that. Mariners and Pirates doesn't matter. Giants and Red Sox, you would think it would matter, but the Red Sox are pretty far out of it at this point, even though they have a winning record. Um, Tigers and Indians matters on both fronts. Indians still fighting for a wild card spot. Tigers are winning the tankathon at this point. Braves and Phillies. Phillies trying to hang on. Braves trying to just uh, seal their spot. They still haven't clinched, which is surprising. But they will. Have, oh no, they've clinched. I'm sorry, they did clinch. Uh, Phillies just trying to hang on but looks like the nl central teams are, are pushing forward um padres and brewers brewers are the hottest team in baseball as a and, and even after losing christian yelich so all of my ranting was for naught <laughs> <laughs> the white Sox and the twins the twins look like they are for real as long as they don't face the yankees in the first round because <laughs> they always right. seem to lose to them well, everyone's losing to the Yankees. The Yankees are their Yankeeing. Yeah, but the Yankees are like the bane of the Royal of the of the Twins playoff existence. I think like the past four series against the Yankees, they just haven't been able to beat them. Mm -hmm. um, Nationals and Cardinals, another big game for both teams. Cardinals hanging on to that NL Central. Cubs and Reds. Cubs losing three nothing to the Reds in the first, but that game just started, so plenty of time there. Mets and Rockies. Mets trying to hang on in this wild card race against the Rockies tonight. A's and Royals. The A's very, very tenuous in that spot, along with the Rays and the Dodgers from LA. Dodgers trying to be the best team in baseball. Rays trying to hang on to a wild card spot. So that is all of the the games for today. We're gonna run through. Actually, and put on the search bar real quick uh, and we're gonna go through the uh, the standings right now because we're gonna get and see a lot of the 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 pretenders and the contenders and the separation that is happening so okay as soon as this thing freaking loads but I have it here on my on my freaking phone the Braves Looks like they've um, 
they've they've clinched the playoff spot. They haven't clinched the division yet, but that's only uh, they only, their magic number is three. So that's mm-hmm. that's just a matter of this week. The Cardinals still only two games ahead of the Cubs, three over the Brewers. Uh, okay, we have right here the Yankees are running away with their division. Their magic number is three. So that should be this week when they'll finally clinch the American League East. The Twins are now, and I'm saying the Twins are for real now because they have finally separated a pretty nice cushion over the Indians. Five games ahead, eight eight is their magic number. Uh, Astros, uh, four is their magic number, eight games ahead of the A's. National League, I already said the Braves, the Cardinals, and in the NOS, the Dodgers ran away with it a long, long time ago. Wild card. Wild card is where we're really seeing the the fun, fun races here. Uh, The American League is just... It's a three-team race. It is a three-team race. The A's, really, realistically, they're not going to really catch up to the Astros. Same thing for the Rays and the Yankees. And the Twins are finally pulling ahead of the Indians. So, three teams fighting for two spots in the wild card. The A's are only one game ahead of the Rays, and that rhymes. And the 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 Tribe is one and a half games behind the Rays. <laughs> Lots of baseball left. I think we're down to like almost almost a single digits in the games left at this point. I think there's only Yeah, we're getting close. For a lot of teams there's only like 12, 11, 10 games left. So, do or die time. I think this American League wild card is going to come down to the end. I th- yeah, we might get, we might get to game one sixty two, and it probably won't be decided. So, think so, I think so. These teams have been neck and neck for for all this time. The Indians have the Tigers right now, which helps them out. The Rays are against the Dodgers, which is not very helpful. The A's are facing. Yeah, the A's are facing the Royals. So you have two teams that are actively tanking on one side, against two teams trying to make the playoffs, and the Rays are facing the Dodgers, who still haven't clinched home field throughout the World Series. Um, that's that's not going to be great for them. Uh, so, gosh, so. Uh, let's move on to the National League, and then we'll break down into looking closely at the schedules of these teams heading towards the end. So maybe we can find, maybe we can make a prediction as to who's going to finish out at the end. Um, uh, I hate giving predictions. But yeah, okay. yeah, but it, it, this is the this is the time, dude. This is first off. I think we're. I think we can we can say definitively say the Phillies, Mets, and the and the Diamondbacks are pretenders, right? They're five games yeah. back now. Their their record in the last ten games have been great. Four and six for the Phillies, five and five for the Mets, three and seven for the Diamondbacks. I mean, they just don't have it this year. Mm-hmm. They they really don't. the The Brewers got hot, really at the point where everybody thought they they would have fallen off, losing their MVP candidate, and yet here they are, nine and one in the last ten. Only one game back of the Cubs for that second wild card spot, and not that far back of the Cardinals for the Central. Right. And that Central probably will come down to the end as well. So, we I think we're gonna get to a game 162 for both sides of the National League and American League wild card. I think we won't have uh, a definitive winner until that point. Um, 
The Cardinals are 5-5 five and five in the last 10, and that does not give me much confidence. They've they got better in this last month, but the Cardinals have shown me this season that they've they've fallen into rough patches, and I could see them doing it again to finish out this 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 close of the season. But that's why I want to look at the the, the schedules for these teams heading towards the end, because it's it's going to be something. It's going to be something. Um, interesting and it's gonna be exciting that's that's the great thing about baseball in september we're we're getting excitement for the first time in a while and it's gonna go into october and i think for baseball it's great because we're gonna have this we might i think a game 162 may be a tiebreaker if if we could have tiebreakers and then heading into the one game playoff for the wild cards right that's 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 great television right there um, before we move on to that, we're going to check the Tankathon because that also matters for, to a guy like me who is a Marlins fan. And the Marlins have done their darndest to finish this season with the best of tank intentions because, oof, they are awful this past 40 games, this past like quarter of a season that's left. <laughs> wow. This has been quite the tank job, if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Detroit Tigers have lost 104 games, and they are not stopping. They are three and a half games up on the Baltimore Orioles, who have done a pretty darn good job in the last few games to tank their way to the bottom here. They are three and seven in their last ten. The Tigers are four and six, so the Orioles are trying their darndest. To, to get that number one pick. And the Marlins are six and a half games back. I think the Marlins have a shot of getting that number two pick. And that would be nice to slot in there. But I think it's safe to say because the Marlins are six and a half games back. And the Royals are the next team behind them. And they're ten games back. I think the Marlins are... I think it's safe to say they're going to at least get the number three pick for the 2020 MLB draft. Marlins are two and eight in their last ten. Once again, fantastic tank job. I think the Dolphins are inspired by them, and it's it's only gonna it's only gonna get worse. So, um, let's see. Do we have any players of the week that were announced? I'm gonna check real quick. Andrew, any baseball headlines you want to talk about while I look this up? Eh. Say again. Any baseball headlines you want to talk about while I look this up? Uh, Ooh, we got some good ones. Okay. Well, I do have our players of the week. Go ahead. Uh, MLB players of the week for the week of... Uh, was it the 16th or whatever? I don't know. The past week. Uh, we have Chris Bryant of the Chicago Cubs. So that is one. And then we have... Sorry. Gosh darn it. Where's the the American League one? There he is. And then we have Eloy Jimenez, left fielder for the Chicago White Sox. (laughs) I mean, somebody for the White Sox. Okay, at least something for them this season. The White Sox have been in quite a downward spiral for quite a while. They can't seem to get out of their mediocrity. They're kind of like the... I don't know. I don't know what to say about them. 
Um, just haven't been doing that great for the past few years. They're trying, but I think Jose Abreu might might leave. I think uh, the Marlins they could have a shot at him. He's Cuban, but I, I doubt it. Anyways, uh, Chris Bryant. I'm just rambling a little bit. Chris Bryant. Oh boy, another. This is actually whoa. This is interesting. He's won the NL Rookie of the Year in 2015, NL MVP in 2016, but this is the first time he's the M. <laughs> he's the first time he's ever been the National League Player of the Week. Those accolades, yeah. yeah, those accolades, and this is the first time he's won the Player of the Week award. So he's he hit 500, 11 for 22, five home runs, 13 RBIs, uh, 1.72 OPS in six games. Um, and he had two homers against the Pirates on Sunday. And he hit that, which which got him over the 30 home run mark for the first time since 2016. Eloy Jimenez, uh, rookie, hit 435, 508.70 for his batting line. Three home runs, 11 RBIs in six games. And his OPS since August 29th is 1.070. And this is the second Sox player this year to win it. So, all right. So those are our players of the week. Uh, all right. So speculation time. Do you want to do it, Andrew? If not, we can move on. We're at the one and a half hour mark. Mm. Is it Mark. Mark. Mm-hmm. Mark. Uh... I can move on to our smaller segments. We can talk about that with Charles next week. Yeah, because we're gonna get we're, that's it's gonna be the final week of the season, so yeah. All right, we'll 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 move on. Let's go to our smart smaller segments here. Uh, let's go with uh, better know a minor league team. So this is our segment where we highlight the four billion minor league teams that are out there. They're like galaxies. There's just a mm-hmm. ton of them. Uh, amongst uh, major league or the minor league baseball, minor league hockey, and minor league basketball, this week because of the start of the National Hockey League's preseason, I decided to choose a minor league team. Andrew, alrighty, let's hear it. Okay, so as soon as I find the freaking search bar here, I have to label these a lot better. But um, my team is a certain team from. Uh, uh, the province of it's it's in eastern Canada. I don't know if you can guess it. Eastern Canada. Eastern Canada. Uh, you know the Maritime provinces. They uh, the Newfies. Yes, 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 dude. That is right. Okay, uh, and it is the okay. We went over this before, and I know you like to say things correctly. <laughs> The Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Okay, not Newfoundland. Not Newfoundland. Newfoundland. It's Newfoundland. Newfoundland. It's okay. The team is the Newfoundland Growlers. Okay. Of the East. Well, it's no longer the East Coast Hockey League. It's just the ECHL. Yep. They were founded in 2018 and promptly pulled a Golden Knights by going all the way to the Kelly Cup Finals. But, unlike the Golden Knights, these guys were able to finish. They won in their inaugural season out in St. John's. The, uh, they are the affiliate of the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
They have one championship, their inaugural season. They play at the Mile One Center out in St. John's, Newfoundland, or Newfoundland. Oh, gosh darn it, dude. You freaking confused me already. Newfoundland. Newfoundland and Labrador. Newfoundland. Yes. The, the, their arena opened in 2001. Capacity of 7,6200 for hockey. Interestingly, their 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 mascot is not a, a dog. You know what it is? Can you guess? Uh, let me take a look at their logo real quick. They're the Growlers, dude. They have a fantastic logo by the by the way. It's on screen if you want to see it. Oh, it's a great! It's it's a great logo. Yeah. Um. I so don't know. I mean, I thought it was uh, it's a breed. No, no, it's actually a puffin. It's Buddy the Puffin. A puffin is a bird. And the reason it's Buddy the Puffin is because they they kind of pulled a Montreal Canadiens where um, St. John's used to have a minor league team. They were the St. John's Maple Leafs. And their mascot was Buddy the Puffin. So when they finally put a new team back in Newfoundland, or Newfoundland. Gosh darn it, man. Uh, <laughs> they brought back their old mascot, kind of like how the Canadians took the Expos mascot and Newby and repurposed him for hockey. So, and actually, and the funny thing is, this team is the affiliate of the Maple Leafs, and they're going to be throwing they're going to be throwing back to when they were the St. John's Maple Leafs by having St. John's Maple Leafs throwbacks this season. Mm-hmm. So it all comes around in full circle. So, that's the Growlers, dude. So, I'm just happy go- the hockey's back, man. I'm just really happy. As oh, I, yeah. As you can tell. I'm, I'm looking forward to being to getting back over to the... What is it now? Did they ever announce what the BB&T Center's going to be called now? Well, uh, let's see. According to... Because what had happened was BB&T and SunTrust are merging... And so I think the name that they came up with was Truist, T-R-U-I-S-T. That's the name that they're yep, coming up that's with. The Sentinel is saying. Yeah. So, so I'm assuming that the BB&T Center will become the Truist Center or Truist Arena, whatever they're going to call it. And I'm assuming the Braves are going to have to change their ballpark name to Truist Park or something. So, now yeah. let me say this. This is a this is a real superlative here. It's not a true center. It's not a truer center. It's the truest center. Oh gosh, uh, should... we're talking extreme superlatives here, my friend. I, I, we should send that to the freaking Panthers, man. They actually might use that as their motto for the arena. Because <laughs> I I think their 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 slogan for that arena since it ever opened was the center of it all. It's always been National Car Rental Center, Office Depot Center, um, Bank Bank Atlantic Center, and BB&T Center. So that could work if they ever to, to ever were to switch it up. <laughs> okay, so that's better know a minor league team. Let's move on. What have we got here? We can do. Uh, do I have a haul? Well, actually, I didn't want to do Let's Haul, y'all, because we actually had someone special for Charles, and we just can't do it without him here. So we're yeah. going to skip that. Let's skip it. And 
let's go with and we can't do the cage and cannot definitely do not do that um let's go with players who remember to forget let's do that let's let's remember some people shall we okay is there anybody that you want us to remember andrew anybody in particular uh Rand see. random player out of nowhere and pretty darn sure you could pick one out of a hat um I can't tell you much about him. I'll look him up, though, so I can get some data on him. I mean, we can just look him up now, but... Uh, Mike Lamb. Mike Lamb. Sounds vaguely from baseball player? Correctamundo. Oh. Didn't he have a brother that was an umpire? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I may be mistaken, but... Um, I may... Okay, so, all right, Mike Lamb. Oh, he played for the Marlins. Dear Lord, I do not. Oh, wait. Uh, sign a Marley contract with the Marlins, Major League roster, and then promptly designated for assignment the next month. <laughs> okay. Uh, and recall to replace Cameron Maben. Okay, I do not even remember Mike Lamb playing for the Marlins. But I do recognize the name, yes. Uh, oh, wow, yeah. He played for the Astros. That's... I guess his most significant stop. Um, the reason why I bring him up is since he was in the Rangers farm, uh, since he played for the Rangers, he naturally went through the Rangers farm system. Mm -hmm. He played for the Tulsa Drillers back when I used to live ah, there. Ah, okay. And that's a name that always kind of stood out for me. Um, Want to know another player that played while I lived in Tulsa? Uh, hold on, let me look up his statistics. Mike Lamb. Uh, let's see. Oh, Four... so Wikipedia has his batting average as 276. Mm -hmm. uh, RBI is 349. And 69 home runs. Nice. Nice. Very nice indeed. Uh, 10 years in Major League Baseball. Played for the Rangers, the Astros. The Twins, the Brewers, and the Marlins. He only played 39 games with the Marlins. His shortest stint was with the Brewers back in 08. He was traded to Milwaukee during that season. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Did he, I mean, doesn't seem to have any sort of accolades. No. No, he, no. he didn't really like, stand out. Stand out, but... Okay. The name kind of stood out for me, um, and plus, you know, but I lived there and I saw him play, so yeah, there okay. we go. And yeah, and then was a significant part of the Astros in their 2005 run to the World Series. All right, so that's uh, Mike Lamb. Uh, let's do mine now. The, I picked one that was. He's actually kind of significant, but also kind of not. Maurice, Morris Stroud. Hmm, that's a new one. Yep. And the reason I, because I heard of his name in SB Nation uh, video. Uh, really? I don't know if you've ever watched the SB Nation videos called Weird Rules. Of course. Okay, so uh, one of the rules in, in the NFL is named after him. And it's also kind of interesting. Which, was, which rule was it? Okay, it's the goaltending rule. Ah, uh, yes. So the story is, so Morris Stroud, he won a Super Bowl, by the way. 
He won Super Bowl four with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he also won an AFL championship. Well, thus why they went to Super Bowl four. Um, he's from Miami, Florida, uh, and then but then he lived out his days out in Kansas City. Uh, played for Clark Atlanta in college. Drafted in the third round in the NFL in 1969, which is very nice. And <laughs> a lot of nice going on this week. Yeah, he was six foot ten. He had, he's believed to have been the tallest tight end ever and the second tallest player at any position in the history of the NFL. The thing is, he was a basketball player in college. Mm-hmm. He was a basketball player. He was a, a center and a power forward, uh, and had little experience on the gridiron. But Chiefs head coach and you, if you watch the SB Nation video, he's basically like uh, uh, Henry Stram. Uh, basically just picked them because oh this guy is freaking huge uh, so caught 54 passes 977 receiving yards seven touchdowns in his career 49 games started and once again 69 games played nice yes he might have been the nicest player in the history of football definitely and Rule 12, Section 3, Article 1 is informally known as the Stroud Rule. Goaltending by any player leaping up to deflect the kick as it passes above the crossbar of a goalpost is prohibited. The referee could award three points for a palpably unfair act. And that is the rule named after him. He does have an SB Nation video after him. I don't know why it's not in the references on Wikipedia. We should remedy that, but I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> Go watch the video. Go on SB Nation. Search Weird Rules, Goaltending, NFL. You'll get it. Fantastic um, fantastic series. And I always shout out to my SB Nation peeps. Okay, anybody else in this segment, dude? Mm, nah. Anybody even itching? I can't itch- really think of anything, nah. to be honest. Nobody even itching to talk about? Nah. Okay. Let me go back to my show sheet real quick. Oh, and let me let me answer that question, which you never answered. What? How polite of you. What? Another player uh, that I saw play for the Tulsa Drillers, Fernando Tatis. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, but is he a player we can remember to forget? He's pretty memorable for that. Uh, and do you know why he's memorable? Uh, certain Grand Slams, right? I think I think he had two grand slams yep. in, in the same inning against the same pitcher. Against the same pitcher was it Hideo Nomo, right? Uh, Chan Ho Park, I believe. Oh, it, 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 it might have been Chan Ho. It, it's one of those two. I always get them mixed up. N- not for any reasons outside of just you know they're just both Japanese pitchers and they kind of both came up at the same time. I don't think <laughs> Chan Ho Park is Japanese. I think he's Korean. No, uh, but I. Th- but wasn't he born in the United States, though? I'm not even sure. Oh, look. Uh, um, you know, we could use these fancy computers in front of us. That would yeah, help. I'm looking it up right now. Um, Ooh, Channel Park. Chan- it was against Channel Park. Okay, he's South Korean, and it was against him. Okay. And Hideo Nomo was Japanese. Damn, I'm, I'm on the money. You're on the money with your Asian baseball players from the late 90s. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Now, you know, I, while we're talking about him... Can we throw a Hideki, Hideki Rabu out here? Is that our player we can remember to forget? Who is that? You don't remember him? What's the name? I think it was Hideki Rabu. There he is. There he is. 
Played for the Yankees. Oh, he died? I did not know that. Oh, oh gosh, Debbie Downer here, who was born in 1969 of all years. Um, he played, yeah, he played for the Yankees, Expos, and Rangers. And he won the World Series twice with the Yankees, 98 and 99. Oh, wow. Let's see. What were his stats in 98, especially? Because that was the really good Yankees team. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Hideki Irabu, there we are, dude. Oh, yeah, he died in 2011. Gosh, years go by. Uh, let's see. To kind of pick things up a little bit, that it's a little more happy, mm-hmm. um, something that I always uh, loved about uh, Hideo Nomo um, was the dude had an amazing, uh, what's that word, pitching motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wikipedia calls it tornado. <laughs> uh, I mean, if if you want to pull up a video of it, but it's definitely up there with one of the most iconic pitching motions. He would literally turn his back yeah. to the batter. Let me see um, if I can find it real quick. He would, He was a righty, so he would step back with his left foot, turn his right foot to be parallel to the rubber then he would he had got so much torque he would his back would literally be facing the batter and he was looking towards center field and then he would just unwind himself boom throw to home plate yeah uh, and i think he got like a no hitter or something so here's his pitching motion in slow motion by the way that's a really slow motion but there you go. There Two he is. Two career no hitters. Yeah. Okay, that's really slow motion. This is way too slow of a motion, actually. <laughs> Can I speed this up? Okay, so here he is. Leg kick and back completely to the batter. And then freaking unwinding after that. That's his, yeah. Like, that's just, it's it's so memorable and so unique. I guess he didn't look back toward center, but nonetheless, you know, his back is literally, like I said, it's literally facing home plate. Mm-hmm. So, and hey, it worked for him. He got two no-hitters. So, let's see. There's, and we're going to look at this last clip here. Uh, no thanks. Hideo Nomo versus the Marlins, actually. Uh, he's, when he struck out 17 batters. Or maybe it was maybe it was just the one and then he did one. And... So there he is, striking out Gary Sheffield. Let's strike him out, throw him out, double play here. There he is, striking out Jeff Conine. A lot of significant Marlins on this squad here. Gosh. Um, yeah. Dude was, I yeah I I think a lot of players, a lot of people don't really remember him too much after that. But um, yeah, I I do remember Channel Park for who was it that he fought, and he did like kind of like a like Good. a like a kick. Yeah, like a Rick, like a kick. But who was it that he fought? Who was the one who charged the mound against him? Hold on, let's see. I'm gonna look that up right now. 
Uh, da Chan Ho Park. Uh, kick. <laughs> That's actually the first thing that pops up. Dodgers and Angels bench clearing ball. Chan Ho Park goes after Angels pitcher Tim Belcher. Okay, after Park's bunt in the bottom. Okay, here it is. So this was the the Freeway series back when the Angels were wearing their their Disney uniforms. There's a lot of ads for this Apple Watch. Dear Lord. Can't even skip it. Okay, here I we are. I say, kind of, sort of on the same topic. I know we're getting way off topic here, but yeah. Um, I wish they were still the California Angels. I like their logo. I like their uniform set. I much prefer it to what they're wearing now. And let's be honest, the Los Angeles Angels—they—they they, at least they dropped the of Anaheim part a couple of years ago. I still think they should be the Anaheim Angels because they're not LA. Right. I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, Nostal- nostalgia for uh, Angels in the outfield. So yeah, there's uh, there's the brawl right there between the the Angels and the Dodgers. I wouldn't say it's a kick so much as it was an attempt. It was an attempt. So let's see. Are they gonna show it in slow motion again? An attempt was made, uh, and it was not successful. So here it is again, and then he turns around. He kind of gives him a shove, and then that's when he tries to do the kick, but he doesn't have enough space in order to execute it. I think right. if, he, if he was, like, maybe three feet back, he probably would have connected. Right. Okay. All right, so... Uh, where do we go from here? What do we have? 154. Anything more, dude? We're heading towards the end of the show. Right. I don't know. This is... We missed a lot of input from Charles. Yeah. I, I mean, we could talk about the NFL next week. 154. I mean, the Dolph- we know the Dolphins are tanking. They got rid of Minka Fitzpatrick now. That's a thing. Uh <laughs> you want to cover that real quick? I can cover that now because the issue with the... Like, there's a lot of people on board with this tank. Of course, we didn't think it would be to this magnitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't think it would be this to this magnitude. I thought the tank would be glorious, but this is like... I don't know. This is... This, if the Dolphins go 0-16, it's the Hall of Fame of tanks. It really is. It is the Hall of Fame of tanks if they go 0-16. And they've got like 4 billion draft picks now in the first yes. round. They got the Steelers' uh, first round draft pick. It might be a good pick if the Steelers, because now they lost Captain F, Fat F, if you want to call him, <laughs> as uh, Urinating Tree calls him, uh, for the season. And the Steelers may not be able to recover. Who knows? But um, it could be a good pick. The Texans, you know, we might be rooting against them, and that could be a good pick as well when for the, the Tunsil and, and Stills trade. So, uh, but it, it all comes down to is it kind of, is it unfair for some people? Because there was a video, uh, uh, Clay Ferrero, who's one of the local news 
uh, sports reporters here, sportscasters uh, for the ABC affiliate here in Miami. He had a video of a guy who travels, I think he travels about maybe four or five hours to Dolphins games. I think he lives somewhere like um, maybe maybe in the Treasure Coast or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the guy was upset. Upset. I was like, man, they embarrass us. They, you know, we, we spend our hard-earned money to come out here or spend our whole day out here to come and see this. And they just, they embarrass us. And people criticized that guy, thinking like, well, what did you expect? You bought season tickets. What did you expect? Mm-hmm. And the guy who po- and played Ferrero was like, I ca- he kind of wished he kind of gave more context as to people thought he was just some sort of ignorant Dolphins fan. And it kind of goes towards the the argument against tanks that it's unfair to your fan base. It's unfair to a lot of people, really. It's unfair to your players, which is why Minka Fitzpatrick wanted out. It's unfair to your fans mm-hmm. because a lot of people pay good money to go watch them. I don't know why they would pay to see the Dolphins. I find people who pay to see the Dolphins crazy, especially after all these years of, of mediocrity. So, but I think people were, maybe, maybe they had this thought that, okay, it's another year of mediocrity. At the very least, I'll get some good games in there. Not total, complete embarrassment. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of get behind that sentiment. Like, nobody wants to be completely embarrassed. Like, you, okay, you, UCF, you guys went through a winless season. Mm-hmm. That still stings for you. After well, all this, I mean, doesn't it? At some point, it still kind of, it still hurts having that season. Yes and no. Okay. Let me tell you why the no. Okay. If we hadn't gone zero and twelve, if well, if we hadn't gone zero and eight, then George O'Leary would not have stepped down. Not just as athletic director, but as head coach. Okay. In the wake of him leaving... Things have gotten better. That that enabled our new... Let me give a quick timeline. I know we only have two minutes. Um, but our athletic, athletic but, director, Todd Stansbury, left for Georgia Tech, which is his alma mater. Mm-hmm. So in his absence, George O'Leary became also the interim athletic director for and for obvious reasons he couldn't handle both so he was so eventually the team was just not doing well he dropped the athletic director thing and then eventually he just quote unquote tired um so that left an interim head coach i think it was sean beckton uh, but eventually, he left after eight games, so Leary did. So the remaining four games were under Beckton, lost all four of those. We brought in Danny White from the University of Buffalo, mm-hmm. um, or sorry, SUNY Buffalo. Yeah. Um, because so- there was no existing head coach, that allowed Danny White to find who he wanted. He found Scott Frost from the University of Oregon. Okay, I, so okay, but during that season, was it awful? Was it really it awful? Sucked. Okay, so uh, so that's I guess that's more to my point. Like being in it is really really bad, really really bad. So I can get behind that. Like 
this this Marlins season right now. It's not fun. It's not fun. And I know the Marlins were going to be this bad. I didn't think they'd be 100 losses bad. And they're going to get to that point soon enough. They're only two losses away. <laughs> so, but I didn't think it would be that bad. So, it, it's not fun being in, in this sort of situation. I've gone through it with the Panthers. Now I'm going... The Dolphins... I, but the egregiousness of this... This, this has the airs of what the Sixers did in Philadelphia. This is all according to a plan. And I can get the sentiment of why people are upset. But in the end, I'm still for it. In the end, I think Will Manso, uh, who's uh, the, the, the head of sports for local ABC10, he's mm. still for it. He's saying he he still agrees. It's not fun, but ultimately this is this is the course of action the Dolphins should have done a long time ago. They shouldn't have stuck out with Ryan Tannehill for so long. And the only criticism that I have now is I wanted the Dolphins to tank, but I'm still not very sure that the people who are in charge of the tank right now know what the heck they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's the scary part. And Charles had mentioned it before. Chris Greer was part of the last regime. And now you have this guy in that position to make the the big choices. So that's the scary part. That we could do all this tanking, get all these draft picks, and we have the wrong people making the choices afterwards. That's the scary part. Because... And it's one thing that I always send a text to Doug. Uh, the Dolphins are always going to find a way to dolphin it up. <laughs> and I, I fear the dolphining of this is going to happen. Not now, but probably during the draft or something like that. <laughs> They'll dolphin it up in some way. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they don't even pick Tua. They, that could happen. Maybe they don't pick them. But even then, who knows? But uh, we're at the two-hour mark, and I think we're done here. Right? right. It was a good show. A little unconventional, although... Yeah, we haven't done the duo thing in a bit. In a long while. That's the way it used to be. It used to be uh, you, me, and Doug... Uh, but Doug hasn't been able to be on in a while, at least a year, if not more. Right. Um, so kind of getting back to our roots a little bit, but I think the most fun was having Riff on. Yeah, that was very nice. Thank you to Riff for, for hopping on and joining us. Um, we hope that, that you know, you tell other people about our show. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, we always... It's always nice, and just the fact that he came on, we got a different perspective from somebody who's who's in the industry as well. Um, and actually, that was our first guest. Yeah, that was our first true guest. And, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know what else to say, man. I don't know what else to say. I think we should just call it a night here. Okay, so to everybody, we're going to post this. Uh, follow us everywhere, Instagram. Uh, there's Nemo. I don't know if anybody if you've heard of Nemo, but there's a thing called Nemo, and you can you could watch us on it. Uh, but the big stuff: YouTube, Twitch, 
uh, Twitter, uh, our Patreon, yeah. patreon.com slash sports goofs. If you want to donate to us, uh, a freaking, uh, yeah, I mean, we're big, we're big in Russia. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good night. All right. Good night, everyone.